Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do great work, and you can give them a call by visiting the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We've got a terrific show for you today, including great guests. William Yateman, research fellow at the Cato Institute, will be joining us. Byron Donalds, our United States representative, will be our guest Brad Plumbo, he is the domestic correspondent for the Foundation for Economic Education, and Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture, and author of several books, his latest, Beyond the Flag Beyond Flagpoles and Footprints, Pioneering the Space Frontier, a book that he wrote with uh, space hero Buzz Aldrin. It is March the 4th, and on this day in 1789, the first session of the United States Congress was held in New York City as the U.S. Constitution took effect. However, of the 22 senators and 59 representatives called to represent the 11 states who ratified the document, only nine senators and 13 representatives showed up to begin the negotiations for its amendment. In 1786, defects in the Articles of Confederation became apparent, such as the lack of central authority over foreign and domestic commerce and the inability of Congress to levy taxes, leading Congress to endorse a plan to draft a new Constitution. On September the 17th, 1787, at the conclusion of the Constitutional Convention in Philadelphia, the new U.S. Constitution, creating a strong federal government with an intricate system of checks and balances, was signed by 38 of the 41 delegates to the convention. As dictated by Article 7, the document would not become binding until it was ratified by nine of the 13 states. The Constitution was thus sent to the state legislatures, and beginning on December the 7th, five states... Delaware, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Georgia, and Connecticut ratified it quite quickly. However, other states, especially Massachusetts, opposed the document for its failure to reserve powers not delegated by the Constitution to the states and its lack of constitutional protection for such basic political rights as freedom of speech, religion, and the press, and right to bear arms. In February 1788, a compromise was reached in which Massachusetts and other states agreed to ratify the document with the assurance that amendments would be immediately be adopted. The Constitution was thus nearly ratified in Massachusetts, followed by Maryland and South Carolina. On June 21st, New Hampshire became the ninth state to ratify the document, making it binding, and the government under the U.S. Constitution was scheduled to begin on March the 4th, 1789. On September the 25th, 1789, after several months of debate, the first Congress in the United States adopted 10 amendments to the United States Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and sent them to the states for ratification. The action led to the eventual ratification of the Constitution by the last of the 13 original colonies, North Carolina and Rhode Island. The first session of Congress met on this day in 1789, very humble beginnings for this great nation. Such an interesting story. Well, Florida First Lady uh, Casey DeSantis is considered cancer-free following treatment and surgery for breast cancer. The governor announced yesterday the First Lady's diagnosis was made public in October. The governor in late January said she had finished chemotherapy treatments. There are no words to express how truly blessed, grateful, and humbled I am to hear the words cancer-free, she said. To those who are in a fight, know there is hope, have faith, and stay strong, she said. Casey DeSantis is 41 years of age and has played an active role in, uh, of course, the governor's uh, administration, often appearing alongside him at official events. The couple have three children. Good news on the real estate front. The median sales price for a single-family home in Collier County during November has increased 17.7% compared to November 2020. According to USA Today Network, localized analysis generated with data from Realtor.com, the number of houses sold fell by 23.2%, probably because of lack of inventory. A total of 514 houses were sold countrywide, countywide during the month of November. Condominiums and townhomes 
sold in November. It had a median sales price increase of 27.3% year over year. That's pretty good. The nation's number one home on the list for most expensive single-family properties in Cuyahoga County in February transferred at a cost of $24,500,000. And get this, it sold for $2.15 million in 1995. That's a pretty good increase. Well, repurposed drugs that have been shown to prevent or treat COVID-19 may be prescribed by physicians, the Florida Department of Health said in the new COVID-19 Guidance for Health Practitioners. The guidance published on February the 24th said the healthcare practitioners are encouraged to provide early treatment for COVID patients with federally approved generic drugs that they find to work. This is in addition to the outpatient treatments granted emergency authorization for people at risk of developing a serious illness. When recommending the COVID-19 treatment options for patients' individualized health care needs, physicians should exercise their individual clinical judgment and expertise based on the patient's needs and preferences, the guidance states. These options may include emergency treatments backed by equality evidence with appropriate patient-informed consent, including off-label uses of uh, part of the clinical trial. The new guidance is an effort by Republican Governor Ron DeSantis to hold health care practitioners protection and give them protection from lawsuits. He said it's important for doctors to be able to have access to these drugs. We want people to be able to have a right to access these medications, especially if they're in a situation where nothing else has worked. And an interest, uh, interesting to me that... Uh, that we find that we've been asked to focus entirely on Ukraine, for example, right now, and forget about the uh, Fauci's fake science, COVID patients, early treatment sabotage, authoritarian man- mandates, and so forth. Are they using Ukraine as a smokescreen while they retreat from getting completely exposed on their COVID lies? This is just my opinion. This is the exact time when we should be on a full offensive to hold responsible individuals, agencies, media, and governments accountable. We cannot allow this to be glossed over or forgotten because, you know what, it will happen again. I'm quite certain there will be a new pandemic down the road. What's happening is Ukraine is uh, very serious, obviously, but uh, let's not forget about the lies we've been told all during this pandemic. The second round of talks between Ukrainian and Russian delegations all third without a ceasefire agreement, but the two sides agreed to set up humanitarian and evacuation corridors along the top Ukrainian, that according to a top Ukrainian official. The two sides will together provide humanitarian corridors to evacuate civilians, deliver food, and deliver medicine to areas with heavy fighting across the country. Previously, Ukrainian delegations said they were seeking an immediate ceasefire, a temporary peace agreement, and the humanitarian or evacuation corridors for civilians. The first round of talks held in Belarus on Monday resulted in no progress, but the announcement comes as Russian uh, President Vladimir Putin says his country's military has offered safe corridors to citizens to allow them to leave. During a call with members of the Security Council, Putin alleged without evidence or details that Ukrainian national groups are preventing civilians from leaving the area. Putin again uh, said that Russian military is fighting neo-Nazis while asserting that some Ukrainians were fooled by nationalist propaganda. During a news conference on Thursday, Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky said the prospect of another round of talks between the two sides lacked promise, but he still wanted to negotiate because any words are more important than shots. The United Nations reported more than a million refugees have fledged to the country in the past week, adding that humanitarian crisis on the ground appears to be growing worse. Washington has repeatedly warned that it is prepared to take further measures to hold Moscow to account over its invasion of Ukraine. The EU on Monday imposed sanctions on 26 prominent people over Russia's invasion of Ukraine, including oligarchs and business people active in oil, banking, and finance sectors. The United States and its allies said uh, last week announced they would launch a task force to identify and freeze the assets of sanctioned Russian companies and oligarchs. By the way, Russian forces have seized the nuclear power plant in Europe, the largest one, after building at the complex was set ablaze during intense fighting. 
Fears of potential disaster at the plant had spread alarm across world capitals before authorities said the fire in the building identified as a training center had been extinguished. U.S. Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm said that she was uh, there is no indication of elevated radiation levels at the plant, which provides more than a fifth of Ukraine's total electricity generation, over a fifth of the energy for Ukraine. It's amazing. An official at the state enterprise that runs Ukraine's four nuclear plants said there was no further fighting. The fire was out and the plant was operating normally. So that's all really good news. A little tip of the hat to Senator Dan Sullivan from Arkansas. He argued that if Canada can ban imports of oil from Russia and if citizens in Ukraine can stand up to Russian tanks, President Joe Biden can certainly buck the left flank of his party that opposes increasing domestic energy production and increase the production of energy in the United States and block the importing of oil from Russia. Well said, Dan Sullivan. I agree with you 100 percent. We should have not turned off the spigot on uh, United States oil and energy in the first place. But now that we have, we can certainly turn it back on. It would certainly eliminate the dependence on Russia. Uh, it would uh, also be support to our European neighbors because we could provide that oil and energy better than Russia, quite frankly. Former Secretary of uh, State Mike Pompeo has called upon the United States to recognize Taiwan as an independent nation during his visit to the island off the coast of China. On Thursday, the publicly declared the U.S. government should take the long overdue step and recognize the freedom of Taiwan. It's my view that the U.S. government should immediately take necessary and long overdue steps to do the right and obvious thing, and that is to offer the Republic of China, that's Taiwan, America's diplomatic recognition as a free and sovereign country. Pompeo said this would be recognition of an existent reality. This is not above Taiwan's future. This is not about uh, Taiwan's future independence. It's about recognizing an unmistakable, already existent reality. He said, The reality is this. As many of you, past and present leaders, have made clear, there is no need for Taiwan to declare independence because it's already an independent country, said uh, Pompeo. In the name of the Republic of China, and that's Taiwan, he continued, the people and the government of the United States should simply recognize this political, diplomatic, and sovereign reality. The Taiwanese people deserve the world's respect for a free, democratic, and sovereign country. Chinese Foreign Ministry spokesperson Wang Weblin uh, denounced Pompeo's visit as a despicable and inevitably futile effort. Oh, interesting. Kind of a strategic time for Pompeo to show up in Taiwan, but certainly a statement to the Chinese that... uh, Even if this is a bridge to Trump's administration in 2024, just be aware of uh, where we stand. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, William Yateman, Research Fellow at the Cato Institute. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time.
Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252 252- 4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new, refreshing social networking platform, and you can find out more and download the app by visiting the website choicesocial.us. We have with us William Yateman, Research Fellow at the Cato Institute. William, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. My pleasure. Tell us about the Cato Institute. Uh, You bet. We're a think tank here in Washington, D.C., and we're dedicated to advancing the ideals of a free society at every level of government. Cato.org is the website, C-A-T-O.org. So, William, let's talk about what's happening on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., and uh, I think I'd love to hear your comments on this uh, uh, State of the Union address by President Biden. (laughs) You bet. So uh, I guess I'll start with uh, the positives briefly. Um, I liked that he stressed uh, a return to normalcy with respect to COVID. I appreciate appreciate that um, whenever it comes from our elected leaders. Um, I also liked that his institutional focus was on what Congress should do. He was pitching ideas to Congress. Mm -hmm. I think over the last four years of Obama during that uh, pen and phone phase, and uh, frankly, all four years of Trump, the the focus of these things was more so on what the executive could do without Congress uh, or what the president could do without Congress. Mm -hmm. Um, So I liked that. Um, now, as for the bad, uh, pretty much the entire substance of the domestic policy mm-hmm. component of his speech. I mean, I, I can't speak to um, the parts that were about foreign policy and in particular the Ukraine, but, um, you know, it was uh, the domestic policy stuff was just basically a rehashing um, of, of the, the, his failed Build Back Better agenda, um, which uh, notably has been rebranded as Building a Better America. Um, so he, he again pitched government spending as somehow the solution um, to inflation and more broadly, all sorts of, of government interventions in the market um, to promote competition, um, to promote uh, productivity. Um, you, know, you know, again, as we spoke a number of times, the, the notion that government can somehow plan productivity improvements market-wide or, um, you know, intervene to impose competition is pretty darn silly. So the the content of the domestic component was basically rote progressivism um, and a rehashing of his failed legislative agenda. You know, I'll just take it a step further. To me, it looked like he headlined each of his topics with some sort of a talking point out of Trump's agenda. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they, they must have done some sort of poll on on uh, the border and just all these different issues and then it led off with some sort of a comment that would resonate with the public, but then didn't support it with any kind of details. He simply went on about the progressive agenda, as you mentioned. Uh, well, indeed. I mean, I don't think there was a lot of... Uh... Um, you know, careful deliberation, if you will. And there, there never is, yeah. you know, with respect to progressive talking points. So I agree. Yeah. So so how did Congress react? Well, Congress, uh, you know, I think it was noted amongst the GOP immediately that the Build Back Better Act had been rebranded. And again, they're calling it now, the Biden administration is, this Building a Better America. Um Senator Manchin immediately, uh, you know, within a day after the speech, uh, in essence said, no, 
Um, and he said, look, if you want to proceed with any of this social spending stuff, just choose one of the ideas, one of the six in this, you know, now building a better America Act um, and fund it for 10 years and then spend the rest of the money on deficit reduction to fight inflation. Um, and that was met immediately with a bunch of outrage from progressive lawmakers, including the likes of Senators Elizabeth Warren and, and Bernie Sanders. So you know, these fundamental internecine conflicts within the Democratic Party caucus um, are still readily evident. Um, you know, the same ones that we've discussed at length in the past that ultimately sank the, the, this Build Back Better Act or whatever they're calling it now. Um, so they're still present. And, you know, the, the, the clock is ticking and there's a bunch of other things that are on Congress's agenda. Uh, uh, so yeah. I, I certainly don't think in the wake of the State of the Union that the odds are any better. Um, no. the president's domestic policy agenda. It's kind of interesting that Manchin was sitting with Romney and he's sitting on the Republican side of the aisle. Some would say that, well, that was promo- pretty much to uh, promote the whole idea of reaching across the aisle, but it makes me wonder if perhaps he's not even considering further the whole notion of changing parties. You know, it's a, it's a possibility. I'll say this, however, he, as I understand it, he's very popular, as is in West Virginia, mm. who, um, you know, they appreciate his, his maverick role, if you will. So I don't know if there's a political impetus as of yet to change parties, but it, 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 I'll say this as well. I think he's sincere when he wants to reach across the line. I mean, you know, the political hard reality is that he's from a state that uh, Trump won by 40 points in yeah. 2020. Um, but at the same time, I do think Manchin is genuine when, when he talks about uh, wanting the Senate to work as it used to, as a place of comity and a, a place where senators got along and sort of collaborated better. Well, he certainly has uh, carved out a nice position of power where he is right now, for sure. So, Indeed. So where do we stand with the spending bills and uh, the ability to fund the government? That's interesting. So the government, the the latest stopgap measure that we spoke about, I think last week, that that runs out a week from today. Um, And there has not been, I guess the Ukraine situation has sort of sucked all the oxygen out of the room. I I was scouring, uh, you know, the media this morning looking for any updates on that, and I couldn't find anything, Hmm. um, which sort of leads me to believe that perhaps um, due to, you know, I think, you know, it was unexpected what's going on on a global stage that maybe uh, whereas the stopgap measure was supposed to afford them time to lock in place a long-term spending plan. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if they kicked the can down or wrote down the road yet again, because sort of uh, uh, events out of their control, you know, beyond the U S borders. Kicking the can down the road. Now that would be a novel approach. (laughs) (laughs) So, any comments on the confirmation of Judge Jackson Brown? Oh, uh, so the, just the latest news on that is that uh, Senator Schumer, or Senate Majority Leader Schumer, intends to wrap that up by early April. Um, and I'll just say this as an aside. Uh, the more I've, and I haven't uh, performed a deep dive, but the more I've learned about her, um, the, the more I've been pleasantly surprised. Um, so she actually worked, she was a counsel on behalf of the amicus brief that was filed by the Cato Institute, where I work, and that was when she was in the private sector. Um, so I appreciate her legal chops on that end. And I also just recently came into possession um, of her senior thesis in, in uh, college, and it had some, uh, 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 there was some stuff in there that was positively libertarian. So, uh-huh. um, you know, of course, there's a, a great deal more to her record, but so far, what I've heard, I've been pleasantly surprised. Well, that's so nice to hear. Again, William Aitman, Research Fellow at the Cato Institute. C-A-T-O dot org is the website. William, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with our United States uh, Representative, Byron Donalds. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network.
Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice are the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse. Building a 44,000-square-foot performing arts center in downtown Naples can be absolutely beautiful, but also bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And you can get tickets now by visiting the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Brad Palumbo from the Foundation for Economic Education. Right now, we have with us our United States Congressman, Byron Donalds. Congressman, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Good morning, Bob. How good. are you? Oh, I'm doing great. I hope you are. I'm doing good. Excellent. So um, I'd love to just start off on talk to you about Ukraine and so many other things, but I uh, wanted to get your reflections and thoughts on the President's State of the Union address. Um, it was just bizarre. It was a bizarre speech. Uh, listen, the president, he, he, his polling numbers are awful. It's all his own doing. And this is a guy who's drowning and looking for something to hold on to. Yeah. And he was trying to use his speech as a springboard. But the problem is, is that the only thing that would have springboard him is if he just reversed course mm-hmm. on his policies. And he did none of that. He threw out populist phrases. He threw out, like, you know, buy America defund the police you know don't we don't defund the police we fund the police we're going to secure the border those things all sound good and people support those notions but then he would just go back to liberal talking points while he mumbled through his speech yeah. it was just bizarre to see to, to, to sit there live and watch it in person yeah it didn't it didn't uh it, it didn't sell in prioria as the old saying goes that people didn't react to it positively as well so no, uh, it, was, it was just bad. And, and the other part is, you know, look, Joe Biden, he's not the same man he was. Anybody who's watched politics intently, you know, over the last decade can see that this Joe Biden is not the same Joe Biden that, that was around five years ago. He's just not. Yeah. And he was he was never like the best at this stuff, but he, it's just gotten so much worse. Yeah. So sad. And he was never that good in the first place, quite frankly, but just my opinion. <laughs> so, yeah. Byron, I, 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 just just a congressman, I should say. Um, it's okay. It's still Byron. It's still Byron. Well, I should say to our audience, I, I consider Byron a good friend and I've known him for years. So, Byron, um, think, just thinking about the Ukraine, I'm a little concerned about the jingoism and taking sides. It's almost like people think about this as a college football game, and uh, it's a lot more complex than that. I'd just love to get your thoughts on what's going on. Well, obviously, uh, what's happening now is that Vladimir Putin is just increasing the military assault. Um, he knows, and everybody knows, that there's a limit. That you know, there's, the Ukraine doesn't have the weaponry or the or the army in order to really stand up to a Russian invasion. But I think what's happened here 
is it's really the resolve of President Zelensky and it's the resolve of the Ukrainian people has really rallied the world to Ukraine's aid. There, there isn't an a army on the world that wants to directly engage with the Russians, mm-hmm. but now what you have are the NATO countries and other countries are now sending aid and weapons to Ukraine to help them in their fight. That was not, nobody thought that was going to happen. Vladimir Putin didn't think that was going to happen. That's only because the Ukrainian people were basically like, we are going to maintain our sovereignty, um, you know, and they're going to, you know, spend their lives and their sacred honors and their and their treasure to maintain their country. And it's to be commended. Nobody thought this would, this part would actually occur. People thought that Ukraine was going to get rolled up in about four to five days. Mm-hmm. And now what we're looking at is probably an extended uh, counterinsurgency that's going to last for years. Oh my goodness! Um, they insurgency from the Ukrainian people because they they want to be free. They want to control their own country. Um, it's sad to see that what really occurred is that the West was weak mm-hmm. in the face of Russian aggression, and Vladimir Putin looked at the world leaders, the leaders of the world in the West, and realized that they were weak, and they were too concerned about ridiculous things like climate change, as opposed to actual energy independence and understanding that energy is the lifeblood of your economy and your country. And if you don't have a stable supply of that, you're going to be beholden to to whoever does. And the European nations, unfortunately, are beholden to Russia. Vladimir Putin knows this. Well, you know, we could change that, Byron, couldn't we? In other words, uh, we could start uh, reversing our policy, start producing energy, Make it available for Europe and other nations so they're not fully dependent upon Russia. I mean, there's a lot of things that we could do to reverse course on this, but it doesn't seem like the president has an appetite for that. Well, the president is not going to do it because if he does, he's going to lose a portion of his base. A portion of his base is, like, look, first of all, the Democrat Party is really a party of factions. Mm-hmm. You know, so they're a faction, they're a faction party, not a principles party. Mm-hmm. You know, you have the unions, you have the environmentalists. You have the people who are pro uh, illegal immigration. You have the people who are into Marxist policy and class warfare. Uh, so that's like a, the makeup of their party, and so they can't afford to lose a portion of the fat of the faction, mm. especially when Joe Biden's poll numbers are just atrocious. And so I don't think he's going to make that move because he would literally lose a, a portion of his base. Um, but the reality is that we need to be energy independent. We were energy independent. And then the second part is, and this is the part that's really upsetting to me, is that in 1994, the United States signed an agreement saying that we would help, we would protect Ukraine's sovereignty. Mm-hmm. We signed it. The Brits signed it. Um, obviously, Ukraine signed it. And Russia signed it. You know, but this was when Boris Yeltsin was, was in charge of Russia. Um, we, we, all four of these countries signed it. And basically, it wasn't worth the paper it was printed on. Mm-hmm. Because today, Russia starts invading, and the West just turned a blind eye to it. Yeah. And if you know, for countries where we have non-treaty agreements, if I'm one of those countries, I'm very concerned about the resolve of the United States. Yeah. And this is what most, most Americans don't understand, is we had an agreement that we would always protect their sovereignty. And we basically reneged on that agreement. But didn't uh, we reneged in, in a number of ways? In, in fact, uh, <laughs> the uh, Ukraine has applied for membership at EU, and now a number of they're talking about wanting to join NATO. As now Finland and Sweden are talking about that as well. It's almost like a, th- a thumb in the eye of Putin right now. I wonder. I just wonder. I, I'm concerned that he might get. He's feeling cornered right now. Can he get himself out of this and maintain his power? Well, I, th- I think for Vladimir Putin, he's in a much worse spot than he thought he was two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Now, except for China, uh, I think India is basically neutral. Except for China, North Korea, countries in the Middle East, uh, the world's against him. And, you know, some countries in South America. But the world's basically against him. Uh, in the U.N., I mean, the U.N., I think it's worthless. But in the U.N., they actually f- actually passed a resolution condemning Russia's atta- uh, attack on Ukraine. Two weeks ago, Bob, the, U- the, the U.N. was just as muddled as Joe Biden was through his speech. 
And so I think for Vladimir Putin, he's got a, some real decisions he's got to make now. He's, it looks like he's going to continue the offensive. But what country is he inheriting? Mm-hmm. How is this going to work? What are the long-term ramifications? And with the real sanctions that are now starting against Russia, and that's only because of the resolve of the Ukrainian people, what's his economy at home going to look like when this military offensive comes to an end? Hmm. I mean, he's got real problems now on his hands. But again, I think this is important to understand, Bob, all this is only possible because of the true leadership in the face of impossible odds by Vladimir Zelensky and the Ukrainian people. I so much agree with that, Byron. Thank you for that. Before I let you go, any comments at all on the midterms? It's looking awfully good with 31 Democrats deciding not to re-up, not to run again for uh, Congress. Uh, Any thoughts? Well, I mean, look, the Democrats are in or they're cruising for a bruising, Mm -hmm. you know, as as my mom used to say. (laughs) And the the reality is, is that they have gone completely off the rails when it comes to domestic policy. And then, and it's not just at the federal level, it's at the state level as well. It's at the local level with COVID policies. You had Democrat leaders who literally were telling parents that school districts know better than them. You had Democrat leaders who would tell you that you have to get a vaccine and if you don't, you will lose your job. And you have to wear masks. And and then they, you see them at sporting events at parties not wearing masks. Yeah. It's just the height of hypocrisy. The border is wide open. We have more fentanyl in the United States right now than we've ever had. It is the highest cause of death of people 18 to 45 right now in the United States is fentanyl overdoses. You have rampant crime issues. We have inflation. You have a president that has failed across the board. And the Democrats don't reverse course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They pay lip service to it. So I think the American people have largely made up their mind. I think I think we win 25, 30 seats in the House. I think we win three Senate seats this, this cycle. It could be more. Who knows? But I think we win three. Um, and then the Republicans, we have a responsibility to actually, you know, pass legislation that's going to help America. And I think that's what we're going to do. From your lips to God's ear, Byron Donalds, again, our United States Congressman. I genuinely appreciate you taking time with us today. Thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely, Bob. Have a great day. You as well. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Brad Palumbo. He is domestic correspondent with the Foundation for Economic Education. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. School Choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America and is now supported by three out of four voters. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior schools of choice. Optima's goal is the successful launch of Hillsdale College, classical academies, and other schools of excellence serving kindergarten through 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. A terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy opened this fall in a classical virtual school. Optima Classical Academy will open in 2022. Find out more by visiting OptimaEd.org. 
help children in Florida optimize their education opportunities, visit www.optimaed.org. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. Right now we have with us Brad Palumbo. Brad is the domestic correspondent for the Foundation for Economic Education. Brad, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, good morning. Good morning, Brad. Foundation for Economic Education. Well, it's FEE.org, and we are the nation's oldest free market think tank, educating the next generation about the merits of free market capitalism. FEE.org, again, and I tell you, it's a terrific organization. If you have a young person, high school or college age in your life, be sure to at least introduce them to the website. That It is, can be life-changing, quite frankly, for, and a very positive experience for any young person. So, Brad, I'd uh, love to just start off by asking you about the State of the Union address and your reactions and thoughts. Wow, there's so much. You know what I figured out to do? I consider this a life hack. I don't think I'm ever going to watch the State of Union again. <laughs> I decided to simply just read the transcript. Mm-hmm. It took me about 10 minutes instead of watching an hour and a half. Say one sentence, stand and clap. <laughs> say another sentence, everybody stands and claps. The whole thing really is kind of a charade, but there were also a bunch of things in there that Biden said that simply weren't true, which we could go through. Mm-hmm. Well, there's no question about it. I mean, uh, one of the things he said is he wants to cut the deficit by a trillion. T- <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can't help but laugh. By a trillion dollars. I mean, where's the credibility on that? Well, that would be amazing if he actually did it. But that's the craziest thing he's ever suggested that in terms of that will never happen under his current plans, at least. Yeah. He is saying he wants to cut the deficit while he's also currently lobbying for trillions more in wasteful government spending. I mean, he's blown out the spending like nobody's business. But now, of course, with an election coming up, he's going to mouth some platitudes about, oh, we're going to cut the debt. He's not going to, but that's just something he thinks he can say to appeal to moderate voters yeah uh, he said some other things like we won't raise taxes on anyone earning less than four hundred thousand mm-hmm. that's been debunked that's not true he's proposed a bunch of tax increases from uh, nicotine taxes to corporate taxes that are borne by workers um, that will hurt people who earn less than four hundred thousand dollars um, and he also tried to take credit for his big stimulus plan as if it worked but we actually ended up with fewer jobs created in 2021 than we were projected to get without any stimulus at all. Yeah. So his plan did, didn't work. It hurt us, if anything. Yet he tried to take a whole victory lap over it in, in the speech. I, I, as I mentioned to our congressman when he was on the air just uh, recently, just before you, uh, it seemed to me like he was taking a lot of uh, Republican talking points, uh, Donald Trump talking points as headlines and then uh, not following up on any of the information. It looks like they, they took a poll to say, what would the people like to hear <laughs> and, and use that as headlines? Well, I found it funny when he said, we don't need to defund the police. We need to fund the police. Right, right. Um, partly because, I mean, he doesn't really control that the president doesn't really decide how much funding local police departments get right that's more of a state and local issue however it's just an example of something where he's deciding with the election coming up to just embrace a talking point that he knows people will like even though it's not actually what his party stands for you know, Brad, uh, and we have so much more we could talk about with the State of the Union and the policy of the uh, Democrat Party right now, but uh, our own uh, Senator Rick Scott proposed an 11-point plan, which I thought was brilliant, actually. He was proposing to some sort of a plan going into the midterms of how we can react if we win the Senate and the House. Uh, not to the pleasure, though, of Mitch McConnell, our uh, Senate minority leader. What if you could comment, number one, on the plan, but also on the controversy there? 
Yeah, look, I give Rick Scott credit for unveiling a big policy plan ahead of the midterms. Mm -hmm. You know, we need leadership actually doing this and trying to give people solutions and answers. But that said, there's a lot of problems with this plan and there's some bad ideas in there. Mm. For example, he talks about raising taxes, even just a little bit on um, the bottom 50% of Americans so that they have skin in the game because right now they don't currently pay any income taxes. And listen, I get what he's going for saying that, you know, everybody should fund the government and because it's supposed to help all of us. And I get what he's going for. But the practical reality mm. of the GOP proposing tax hikes on the poor mm-hmm. ahead of a midterm is terrible idea. Uh, and that's what Mitch McConnell pointed out, that, that there are some things in this plan that are not very well thought out. Well, probably pretty well thought out from a policy standpoint, but not from a political standpoint. Right. He, somebody needed to tell him that that wasn't going to play very well. And it's also just like we should be talking as the GOP or the right. We should be talking about cutting people's taxes, not raising them. Right. So why do you think Mitch McConnell, he uh, he seems to not only be resistant to maybe that idea out of the 11 point plan, but any plan going into the midterms to counter the uh, the uh, com- or the the policies being proposed by the Democrats? Yeah, well, I, I don't quite know why that would be. Um, but Rick, Rick Scott, I give him credit for trying to put up a plan because the GOP really should have plans that they're offering people. I think Mitch McConnell doesn't want, um, you know, <laughs> whatever you think about him, he's a very talented politician. And the problem with the plan is that it actually holds politicians accountable And he probably wants more wiggle room to not actually have to do things or to let his different members campaign on things that aren't very conservative. Um, And so maybe he doesn't like the idea of binding them to a plan. Uh, But he may also, you know, politicians can be very petty and it may be a little bit of a turf war. Like, excuse me, Rick Scott, I'm the Senate Majority Leader, not you. Well, and which Um, brings up a good point. Do you think perhaps that uh, Rick Scott is making his claim on the on the position after the midterms? He might be. He might also be running, um, paving the way to run for president in 2024. This kind of thing suggests that he's got uh, something on the mind coming down the line. Yeah, no, I, you know, it's yeah, interesting. My, I go back with Rick Scott quite a ways. I had him on my show for a couple of years before he ran for governor. I actually had the opportunity to introduce him at his very first speech running for governor in the state of Florida. I had an opportunity also to be the MC for the uh, inaugural parade for when he became governor. So I know oh, wow. I had Rick. I know Rick quite well. I had just a great opportunity with him, and I will say. Based on his history, it wouldn't surprise me at all to see him take a, it'd be Dave, kind of a David and Goliath type of thing, but it wouldn't surprise me to see if he made a run for president. Yeah, I could see it too. Yeah, no question. Brad Palumbo, again, a domestic correspondent with the terrific organization, the Foundation for Economic Education. Fee.org is the website, F-E-E.org. Brad, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. you have questions about your retirement, Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor.
Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I proudly serve on their board, and I hope you'll check out the website. Among other things, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. The website is thefga.org. We have with us Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. A big guy in the uh, space program back in the day. He also is an author. He's written many books, most informative. His latest, Beyond Flagpoles and Footprints, Pioneering the Space Frontier. He co-wrote the book with Buzz Aldrin. Professor, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. And Bob, thanks for having me on. I always enjoy it so much. Thank you, Professor. Well, you also write your column for Newsmax. It's called On Point. You can go to Newsmax.com to check it out in your latest is Let's Apply Common Sense Principles and Values to Politics. What a novel idea. <laughs> Professor, maybe you could tell us about it. Yeah, I mentioned to you just before we came on that uh, I've always been kind of a closet radical, and I guess it's starting, <laughs> starting to come out right now. But uh, I, put, I put together you know, just basically three points that, uh, you know, I know I realize they're extreme, and some of the audience may want to have their children walk away from the... Uh, <laughs> Radio. But, but, but uh, you know, three basic principles I was thinking about that that kind of might have some consideration. One is that, you know, you know first get your own act together. You know, that uh, it's the old adage, you know, you know, the, you know, you hear it every time you get on a plane, you know, in case is a cabin pressure emergency, put on your own mask first before assisting others. And uh, the notion that, uh, America is kind of on life support right now and has been, I guess it always is. And if we don't, uh, you know, this America first doesn't mean America only. And, and uh, unless America is a strong nation, we're not in a very good position to, to, to help other countries or be of any service. In fact, the ones like, like we find ourselves in, I think most recently in Ukraine, where uh, you know we've 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 killed our own golden golden, uh, golden goose, and we've uh, messed up our own oil supplies, and we've and uh, made Europe and in many senses ourselves captive to to Russian oil. This is not a evidence of being strong or being proactive. We're we're now uh, you know. You know, the, we see the oil prices and the gas, gasoline prices and so on and heating prices going up. And I uh, say, oh, my, well, what can we do? What can we do? Well, maybe we can, we can continue to import all this oil we are from Russia. You know, that, mm -hmm. that's a good solution. And, and maybe if that goes away, we can, you know, get back to this, this uh, nuclear deal with Iran. But I think Iran will sell some oil. So, I mean, this is not... A, this is probably not a way of putting our own oxygen mask on before we, we try to help the rest of the world. And another one I mentioned is, you know, steer clear of government free, free stuff offers, you know, and, uh, you know, this, this, this notion, you know, I really talk about socialism and we've been seeing that make, uh, great strides is, uh, former prime, uh, British prime minister, Margaret, Margaret Thatcher, it sums it up. She says, uh, you know, the trouble with socialism that you eventually run out of other people's money and 
And uh, so when you, when you get stuff for free, it may cost you more than you expect. And I think we see this uh, attempt to buy votes and 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 uh, whether whether it's at the southern border or whether it's you know these other big spending plans, you know that people think they're going to uh, win a lot of votes and friends, but. There's a pushback, I think, as people wake up and say, wait a minute, that's my money you're, you're giving them, and and it may be free to them, but it's not free to me. And then, finally, there's, uh, I think, this, this big confusion about, uh, you talk about equity, and, uh, you know, Biden uh, issued executive order on advancing racial equity and support for underserved communities. And they, hey, who's against equity? My gosh, it sounds so nice. Mm-hmm. But there's nothing in the Constitution about equity. It's about equality. We have equities about outcomes. You know, that means everybody gets the same, and that's raw communism. And or we can create, you know, equal opportunities for people based upon their brains and their effort and their you know, diligence and, and willingness to take risks and so on, and and reward uh, performance. And those those are really the three radical ideas. Now, they're great ideas, and uh, I'd like to remind our listeners that not to take any uh, attention away from your recent, most recent book, but I really enjoyed uh, Scared Witless, The Profits and Profits of Climate Doom, uh, your book about climate change. It's one of the two books about climate change, which was really fantastic. It really demonstrates how knowledgeable you are about what's happening with regard to climate change. And Really, it's just fake news and how we could be investing right now in uh, alternative energies and the Green New Deal and so forth at this time when we actually could benefit the entire world by uh, maximizing and turning up the, the, the spigot with our regard to our own energy needs. It's just amazing. Well, the main theme of both of those first two books, one is, was uh, climate uh, um the climate crisis, you know, the, uh, and, and the second one is, you know, the, the one on, uh, you know, the, the uh, alarmism as well. And uh, the first one is climate of corruption. And, and then uh, the one you mentioned, and it has to do with, you know, so many of my scientific friends, and I, I know so many people also in the climate community that are saying, oh, why don't they understand this? Why don't they understand the science that, so there's no there's no evidence at all that there's the climate crisis, right? And uh, you know, and 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 I and I was saying from the beginning, it's because because they don't want to know. It's, it was never about climate. It was always about the United Nations wealth to redistribution programs, and and it was all about subsidizing windmill and windmills and sunbeams, and and these other agendas. It never had anything to do with science. It still doesn't. And you and it's always been about energy. Yeah. Do you find it and, curious? Yeah, we're, seeing, we're seeing that now. Do you find it curious that the United Nations came out and released the international uh, IPCC report on climate change just before the president's State of the Union address? And of course, it's all uh, uh, chicken little. It's all the sky is falling when things were. It's things are horrible and they're getting worse with regard to ch- climate change. Well, we're seeing. I think people waking up now, and, and you see these. Absolutely crazy policies. You know, we have an administration right now, the Biden administration, that's, that's that's even left of Germany, if you can believe that. Yeah. You know, and you, I mean, it's you know, seriously so because you look at, you, you see how Germany has, uh, you know, they they're shutting down their nuclear power. They've uh, they've they they uh, built all these wind turbines. They didn't deliver last summer, so they have a big energy shortage and and now only recently under the new under the new government under the new chancellor they're finally saying well we're going to delay licensing the Nord Stream 2 pipeline and and so on we'll even ante up a little bit more of our money for NATO and so on and they're finally waking up but you you got you got the Biden administration it shuts down the Keystone pipeline they 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 you know they're they're putting a pause on Nord Stream two, which is just another another addictive uh, oil line to, from Russia to Germany, uh, and 
we have John Kerry lamenting the fact, gee, I hope this war doesn't interfere with my climate agenda, you know? And, <laughs> and I, think, I think people are waking up and saying, this is insane. Yeah. This is absolutely insane. Unbelievable. Again, uh, Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston. His latest book, Beyond Flagpoles and Footprints, Pioneering the Space Frontier, uh, co-written with uh, Buzz Aldrin. Also, again, check out Newsmax.com and Larry's column on point. Professor, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. And Bob, thanks for having me. Always a pleasure, Professor. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. On Monday, we'll visit Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. We'll be talking about current global events. Larry Reed is the president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. We'll also visit with Larry and Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau chief and author of a couple of great murder mysteries, Follow the Leader and Shake the Money Tree. I hope you make it a great day and weekend on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.